Well, well, howdy, howdy, Mark. Hey there, Johnny. How you doing there, buddy? Uh, I'm doing uh, pretty good. How about yourself? I gotta be honest, man. I've been better. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about it. What's uh, How could you have been better? You know my trials and tribulations with vehicles. I had the Mercimobile, yeah. and then I had Grudge Match, that old Ford Ranger pickup that I just kept dumping money into, right? Oh, yeah. Well, so... I finally just ponied up and bought a new car. And you know me, I'm not a car guy, but I yeah. do have a boner for minis. I like minis. That is like what the ideal car should be, right? So I sure. got this brand new Cherry Mini, right? Okay. And like, I love it. It's my baby. It has a big old Green Lantern decal on the hood that's like three and a oh, half feet long. Yeah. That's as big as the hood is. It's great. So I had to park it out on the street because there was no parking in my lot. There's also a National Guard base down here. and Okay. Um, so these goddamn weekend warriors are out dicking around in one of their APCs, and they just kind of rolled right over the top of my mini, Johnny. Oh. And I just... I'm so sad. <laughs> so cherry. So cherry. My ride was so cherry. Oh, man. I, you know, the next time somebody wants to give you shit, by the way, uh, about liking minis, you need to remind them of two things. One, your best friend and pod co-podcast host has a weird obsession with Volkswagens, and those are just as tiny and just as weird looking as a mini. And I will fight to the death for any other weird small car out there, because goddamn are they awesome. And two, you just need to look at them and tell them to kiss my ass, because they don't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know what I figure it's like, you know, guys with them big old dually diesels are compensating for their little penises, and you and I love little tiny cars because we're compensating for our gigantic podcasting penises. And speaking of gigantic podcasting penises, welcome back to the Dang Old Podcast. <laughs> yes, welcome to the Dang Old Podcast. This is a weekly King of the Hill podcast where I, Johnny, and my good buddy Mark. Yeah, I didn't let you, you said do my it. name. <laughs> I did. <laughs> That's okay. I got really excited because I was the one doing the intro, and you weren't. Uh, we I go know, through it's two right. episodes. <laughs> we go through two episodes of the classic animated show King of the Hill. We rate it, we analyze it, we take a look at it, and see if it still holds up today. See if we still enjoy it. And uh, Mark, what do you say we hop into it, buddy? I, dude, let's do her. I am, I am so excited, or I was excited for this one when I saw it in the queue, and I, oh god, I'm looking forward to it, buddy. This will be, a, uh, I, I think, maybe not divisive. Is, divisive is not the right word, uh, but I'm curious to see how this uh, this episode and the next one, may, I'm curious to see what you ranked them, because I don't think they hit my marks that I was anticipating. Uh, but first, mm -hmm. we're going to talk about episode 117, Tanking It to the Streets. Obvious An obvious play on words of taking it to the streets. I don't think that's a reference to anything in particular. Uh, we have an this original... Song, right? Taking it is, to the streets, or am I mis? I don't. It doesn't matter. No, you. No, you might be. I. I don't know if I've ever heard that song before. Um, original air date March thirty first two thousand and two. Written by our good buddies the Allens, Alan Cohen and Alan Freeland. Allens uh, are back. The Allens. And have we seen them this season? Do you remember? Can you honestly? We don't. I don't think we have a running tally of when we last saw a writer. Uh, we probably should okay, do that, so though. I think right now we're in like our Avenger. This is like Disney. What do you call that? Like the Disney Wave Four, where like now we have all the Avengers assembled. Okay. 
Because that was my first note, is this is the Avengers of writing staff. Like, remember how mad I got at um, Peggy Makes the Big Leagues? Yeah. With David Kalaiki Ali'i, and, like, it should have been such a better episode. I was looking at the credits for this one, and it's it's all of them. It's the Allens, it's um, Hyuk, it's um, Garland Testa's producing, like... This is the A they've squad. Got, yeah, they've got their established like crew of, of people now that we know can put out good shit. And then we, they've mm-hmm. got some newer newer ones in here too because we've got some newer writers that I haven't seen too much. Uh, the writers for our next episode, I, it's either their first or second episode of the series. So, yeah, it's... I don't know. I, I, dude, I love it. The Allens are back. Uh, we've got I, cast I of characters. I fucking love the Allens. But we're going to get t-shirts <laughs> that say the Allens are back. Yeah, please, please. I want to. I want to get them shirts that just say I'm an Allen. You're welcome. Yes. Cast of characters: Hank, Peggy, Bobby Hill, Bill Dotrieve, Dale Gribble, Boomhauer. Uh, this is a big episode for in the a, like a, a. Wow, I can let me rephrase this. This is a big supporting episode for Khan because I feel like we haven't seen him for a while, and it's going to bring him back into the fold because we will see him quite a bit in the next few episodes. Yeah, um, we saw him last in Bluegrass is always greener, but did we yeah. really? Yeah, well, and it's about the same, I think it's about the same content level as this episode, but he's used more for comedic effect in this. He was an actual, like, sticking point in Bluegrass is always greener. Mm-hmm. So I almost want to say you should have flip-flopped him because if you're going to ramp it up and make him a focal point of one of our upcoming episodes, then you, you shouldn't use this one where he's just this essentially a sight gag, but God damn, is it a funny sight gag every time he's on screen? <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and then we have Dave, the Megalobart employee and a non-speaking, but visual role of Nancy Gribble. She's just in the bathroom. No, she's in bed, but she doesn't oh, actually say okay. anything. Yeah. 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 When he goes in the panic room. Yes, when Dale runs to the panic room. Uh, Synopsis, Mark. When Bill's military record is found out to have been redacted, he finds out just how much potential has been wasted on him since he enlisted. Well done, sir. As always, concise. You say exactly what needs to be said. (laughs) I go every now and then I'll go back and listen to like the first the first like season of these that you and I cut. And sometimes you'll be like, you want to give me a synopsis, Mark? And I'm like, yeah. And I just ramble for like <laughs> two and a half minutes. I just I just do them now. It's, it just is what it is. Well, this one was hard to, to synopsize. No, that's the wrong word. Synopsize. Give me give, give me give me a, a, a ad. Not ad no, that's your, that's your Gribblepedia definition. Synopsize. I'm into <laughs> synopsize. it. Synopsize. Um, it, this this one was rough because I was trying to think of how do I explain the plot but without giving away all of it. I, I I have to imagine there's at least a handful of people here who have never seen this show but have discovered mm-hmm. it, said, "Hey, I like this." Have are now listening to us, and are following episode by episode as we go through. Like, you know, if I had never seen a show and I stumbled upon something like this, I would try that. I think so many shows I wish yeah. I could do that with. <laughs> Uh, just just watch them again for the very first time. But, uh, yeah, so it, this one, the synopsis is a little interesting. It's a, this is a very Bill-centered episode. Yeah. And, yeah, well, it's... Well, since what? Bill and the, or Hank and the Great Glass Elevator was the last one, right? Uh, tell you what, let me, 
Let me look up. Oh, here. I didn't even put you on the spot. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm gonna look up the, the episodes oh, no, from no, this no. season. Oh no, it's um, twas the nut before Christmas. Sorry. No, yeah, you're good. Um, because so far this season we haven't gotten a really good Dale ep- or a Bill episode. I don't think. Um, not one that specifically focuses on him, because we've had a bunch of Peggy episodes. We've had a bunch of Bobby mm-hmm. episodes. Um, we've had at least one really good Dale episode and one coming up. Oh, more than one coming up. That's exciting. Yeah, we we haven't had a really good Bill episode since last season at least. Well, not before Christmas came for after that. It no it didn't. It was right before Did it. it. Not? No, it's three oh, episodes it? before. I don't know. Maybe my yeah. are off. Oh, they are off because we had to never mind. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the our, the way we recorded them, I'm dumb. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we we're we're getting into a good Bill episode here for our A story. It's Bill, Hank, Dale, Boomhauer. It's the guys. We have a kind of a dumb B story. I don't, I think it's dumb. I I personally could have lived my whole life without ever seeing this B story. <laughs> Like, I don't think it adds to anything. I would rather see uh, this space be taken up by weird Manger Babies vignettes. Hmm. But. Okay. I also really miss Luann. So maybe that's part of it. I miss Luann, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. This This is obnoxious headcase Peggy. Yeah, this is bad brain Peggy. Yeah, she's like ultra fixating on something that does not matter, and it stops. It stops being funny because they go back to it four times. Mm-hmm. Really, that's what it is. Like, oh, I, you're really gonna keep doing this, huh? Like every time you see Peggy, every time she has to get shoehorned into a scene, you're gonna do a tiny little cutaway, and we're gonna get another thirty seconds of this. Like mm-hmm. you're taking Man. away precious time from this episode and giving it to Peggy, and I don't fucking want that. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It. We'll talk about it in a minute here because I got some yeah. stuff to say. But yeah, yeah. Well, why don't we jump into notes, man? I I feel like I've been talking your ear off already. Oh, dude, not at all. I'm I'm into it. Talk my damn ear off. Uh, you want to go first, or you want me to go? Um, you go. I got a beer to drink. Right Ooh. on. Drink that beer. Hey, what are you drinking? Is it a good German beer? Um, I am drinking a Kolsch. Uh, it's kind of local because. All Kolsch comes from Cologne, which is just north of me. Um, Or at least it's supposed to. That's like where it was founded. And it's funny because apparently everyone else in Germany despises Kolsch except for the people in Cologne. So, (laughs) hey, dude, I would rather have a Kolsch than a Pilsner or a Bitter or a Weiss beer any day of the week. Because to me, it's just the right amount without kicking me in the face with hops. And dude, the Germans here love their weird bitter beer. So... Dude, I'll take a Kolsch every day. I am drinking it out of my Lohenbraustein, so that's exciting. Awesome. Yes. Uh, sneak preview, um, guys. We're going to talk a little bit more about Lohenbrau and its counterpart, Highbrow, in uh, next week's episode. <laughs> uh, anyway, notes. Um, I already mentioned it. We have the Avengers of writing staff. Yeah. Um, a few weeks ago, when we watched Bluegrass is Always Greener, I was bitching about why Khan is driving the minivan, and you went, well, he doesn't have his SUV yet. Well, hey, he did here for about 20 minutes. <laughs> yes. 
Um, I appreciate Bobby's fat, fat, wow, Bobby's fat kid life pro tip of just do all toppings. Yes, yes. You can't, yeah, and then I think like, about that's, it. And... <laughs> that's the most 13-year-old thing that he has done for a while. Yeah, it really is. It's, yeah, and then I think about it and like, I remember going to Country Buffet and just getting a bowl and filling it up with the caramel sauce and eating that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's why you were a goddamn heifer when you were in middle school. Way to be fatty. <laughs> um, I looked into it. Bob Arum is still alive. Oh, I'm glad you looked him up too because I definitely looked him up and I have a, his Wikipedia page still up here because he's done a lot of shit. Yeah, it looks like it. I can't tell if he's a good dude or a bad dude. He's a boxing promoter, so bear that as you will, but... It's so, it, right, like... I feel just by that merit, he's a bad dude because I've never met a boxing promoter that's ever been portrayed as a good guy, except for maybe Mo. And even then, he had to redeem himself. That's called the Stinga. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. You want me to read off kind of the, some of the stuff I've got from him? Hell yeah, buddy. So uh, this is pulled off the wiki. If it's incorrect, then go yell at whoever edited this in the last three hours. Um, it, he's an American. He's an American lawyer and boxing promoter. So he's a lawyer and promoter. Uh, so he's, he's double founder, evil. Yeah, a double evil. Founder and CEO of Top Rank, a professional boxing promotion company that's based out of Vegas. Um, he was employed prior to being a boxing promoter as an attorney in the tax division of the United States. States United States District Court in New York. So he was a New York tax attorney. If that doesn't tell you the dude is out for blood, other than the fact that he's a boxing promoter, then I don't know what will. I, I don't know why he would want to be assassinated, other than he, apparently he has a lot of longstanding feuds with other boxing promoters, most notably Don King and Dana White. Um, most of you guys, I, I don't know if you'd consider Dana White a boxing promoter, but I mean, the dude owns and is the head of the UFC. So... He's start, he started his boxing, right? Did he? I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't follow him. UFC. I'm not that kind of bro. I don't like big I don't either. Ups. Like it ain't me, no, babe. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't either. I, I choose to watch the show that I know is fake and and just has straight up stopped trying to annoy me and say that it isn't fake because UFC is also fixed, guys. You guys just don't want to accept it or learn that. Um, but I choose to watch WWE and AEW because they at least have a thing called kayfabe and they recognize that it's predetermined. Um, dude, I always get uh, Dana White and uh, that other asshole with a podcast that, that uh, Joe Rogan. Joe I always get Rogan. those two confused. Always get them confused. Like I don't know w which one is which like at any given point in time. Yeah, one contributes to concussions, and the other just contributes to wanton stupidity. I'll let you suss out who is who. <laughs> right? It could be either on any given day. Um, yeah, like he was involved in a bunch of uh, potential scandals and stuff. The biggest one, I think he used to represent Oscar De La Hoya, and he got hmm. like sued and a whole bunch of other stuff uh, because somebody said that he had fixed De La Hoya's last match that he lost and all this stuff. Like, there's a bunch of stuff on the Wikipedia, basically, about somebody talking mad shit on him and then immediately turn... Well, not immediately, but, like, within a couple of years turning around and saying, no, nah, I don't have any problems with him. Um, most notably, Floyd Money Mayweather. You know, that guy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Guys, I don't follow a lot of boxing. I, I think I've spouted all of the, the professional boxers I know of in De La Hoya and Money Mayweather. 
there's also Manny the homophobe Pacquiao. Oh, that's right, Manny Pacquiao. And there's also that gigantic dude that was in WWE for a while. Philippines now or something terrible? I don't know. He might be. I know he ran for political office. Uh, Tyson Fury. I know who Tyson Fury is, and he is also just this like gigantic Irish English bastard. Yeah, he was in WWE for a while. That's how I know him. Um, okay, gotcha. anyway, that's. do we have any more to say about Bob Arum? I don't know why he would be assassinated, I, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a Dale conspiracy. Hey, guys, put it on your bingo cards. Um, No, I think we've pretty much beat him to death. He We, we did 10 rounds on him, and he didn't get up, so... There you go. Um, I don't know who's better in this episode, Dale or Bill. At, like... Man, they both just know. knock it. For this not being written by Johnny Hardwick, this is a really, really good Dale episode. Yeah, it is. It's a good Dale building episode because I feel like we haven't seen him utilize new skills in a while, and yet we see two of them right near the end of this. Last one was Soldier of Misfortune when he like pretended to be from the CIA. Mm-hmm. And that was a couple weeks ago, so... I think we're getting, I think we're being allowed to be a little bit dumber with Dale. We're into the, what, sixth season now, so you can be dumber. Like, yeah, yeah, he's the type of dude that just has a colonel outfit in his house, and he will put it on. (laughs) Yeah. I also love his little, um, I don't know what you call it, slider camera. I think his little spy camera is fun. Yes. Um, This is our first, I think this might be our first time Hank refers to himself as the block captain. It might be. Um, maybe. I haven't maybe heard not. him say it yet. I, I want to say he did in the episode where Luann moved out and got her roommates. Oh, maybe. But I may be, I may be misremembering that because I may just be thinking of when Big Willie Lane's going to move in. Mm, yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll keep an eye out for it. And finally, we have two music cues. Uh, we have Bob O'Reilly by The Who and Freebird yes. by Leonard Skinner. Yes. I like one way better than the other, but that's me. <laughs> hey, me too. Is it because Leonard Skinner sucks? Oh no, what did I say? What? <laughs> Don't Is do it that. because I'm when just... an entire goddamn band dies in a plane crash and then your little brother picks it up, it doesn't make it the same fucking band? Oh no, what? Eh, probably. I've just I, Freebird is is one of those songs that I I have heard a million times and I don't care to ever hear again. Whereas Baba O'Reilly is the exact opposite. I've heard it a million times and I will constantly crank it up all the time. I listen to it once a week on my own anyway. Yeah, and I have ever one that you just unironically enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also have a little bit of notes off Bill's bio, but I don't want to get too far into it because I don't know enough about the army to be a shithead. But according okay. to Bill's file, he was born in 1964. Okay. And he was enlisted in the infantry division. So he would not have been a- a- available. Like, if he's born in 64, then he would not have been going to, um, um, um oh my God, Vietnam. He would not have been anywhere near Vietnam because Correct. we had ceased all, all operations long before he was even 18. And mm-hmm. I know, like, they've had references and stuff to when, like, when Hank got mono 
the girl that rides up to him says, oh, my boyfriend died in Vietnam and, and makes it so normal. So I feel like we're playing with a good 10-year window here. Well, okay, or it's Texas in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Guy could just be a creep. Guy could just be like a senior or, you know, like a 20-year-old dating a high school student died in Vietnam. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I mean, could be. <laughs> or, but... or you know, no, because you know what, too? Um, what was it? I think we were still operating in Vietnam until like 2002 or something terrible. Okay. So, I don't know. Maybe he <laughs> got run over by a truck. That's true. Um, I don't know, but my bigger sticking point is that Bill enlisted in infantry, and he was going to be a tank driver, and I'll get into that when we get into cons. How about notes, Fair. buddy? What do you got for me? Um, so I have a note in here, and it was more a conversation starter, but I feel like you and I have already kind of dove into a whole bunch of weird shit. We don't need one more thing. Um, Keep Mark, diving in. Have you, have you ever like stopped to think about how many times in American media they have shown or alluded to war games? And yet nobody actually knows what a war game is. Yeah. What the hell is a war game? So that's what I wrote down here. What are war games? And then I went and I looked it up a little bit. So essentially they are, it's like one giant grand game of, of like warfare, but like capture the flag style warfare. You know, you're going to use uh, non-live ammo. You're going to do like basically practice your your tactics that's what they're for they're to to try new tactics out in the field without actually having to go to war to do it Mm -hmm. so you're using the actual equipment like you're supposed to you're you get sent out into the field and practice like you're supposed to you have to live off your rations you have to provide your training you have to do all that stuff it it's supposed to replicate everything that's in the warlike scenario minus the the killing and the bloodshed and yeah. it's, it's to practice new things and to get people, like, used to being out in the field. That way they're not just thrown in and super green. You know, can you imagine going through three months of basic training, getting dropped into something and saying, oh, hey, by the way, we also now need you to, you, you spent three months training how to do this. We need you to now spend six months out here in the middle of the weird wilderness fending for yourself. And we're going to come and check up on you once every three or four weeks. <laughs> Like doesn't sound very yeah. smart. So the idea, the concept behind it, I can understand. I'm just I'm astounded that I had to look it up and that it's been such a, a prevalent thing. Because I know the Simpsons have had war games. I'm, I swear we've seen it in a whole bunch of other stuff. It seems to be like a, a '90s trope almost. Oh, this is the episode where somebody takes a thing off the military base. Ha ha ha. You're not. Yeah, you're not wrong. Absolutely. Um, Josh talks a lot about when he was a kid in high school. Um. There was a lot of drilling that was done down here because the San Luis Valley is very similar geologic or geographically to um, Afghanistan. Okay, I could see that. High alpine rocky desert, so like he would be a kid and like they would be running like helicopter missions and shit right around the sand dunes. Oh yeah, and well, and yeah. I mean any any of these small areas and stuff. When I when I lived in Montrose, we would see all sorts of like weird armored carriers and and. Um, not like tanks and stuff, but a lot of the aerial vehicles, like Huey choppers mm-hmm. and things. And I think it's, like you said, it's very similar to what our most modern combat areas and theaters have been in the last 20, 30 years. I mean, Montrose is a high plains desert. There's literally sand dunes and shit everywhere, just like there are near where you are. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it would make sense that if they need to practice somewhere and not worry about somebody trying to blow them the fuck up with an IED, that's just where they would do it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, let's see what else I got here. Also, conspiratorially, um, it's getting Americans used to the idea that, you know, hey, it's all right to have tanks rolling through the streets and, oh, that APC is your buddy. It's okay. No, no, never mind. We're not going to talk about it. That's my local police, dude. It's not the military doing that. Yeah, but it wasn't your local police in 2022. <laughs> this is the next step of that evolution. Now you're just used to seeing cops into Boston Marathon bombing. Yeah. Watch, watch the like the backlash of that when they're doing the manhunt and like there's tanks rolling up and down the streets. There's all the APCs and shit, and then there's yeah. people cheering. There's people cheering these tanks rolling through the streets. So when you see these big hulking fucking bruiser things rolling through your street, oh, it's a good thing. It's okay, and it. Give it 10 years, like, I'm not saying police state, but, like, man, give it 10 years and see what differences will happen. Yeah. Oh, God, someone's at my door, John. Oh, God, here comes the black bag. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, did you notice that Dale is back to baking, Mark? Yes, I did. That's one of my pros. And then I have something that might, in fact, blow your mind. Okay, lay it on me. Considering how much you and I both like these characters and how often we allude to how similar they are, their experiences have just been different. Have you ever stopped and realized that Hank and Khan are anagrams for each other's name? Yeah. You have stopped and thought about that because I, it blew my mind when I stopped to think that they both use the same four letters and they're both. It's four letters. How have you not thought about that? Like, but yeah, but I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I'm I sorry. Had a weird, I'm an asshole. I just, no, no, no. I had a weird cathartic moment of just like, holy shit. Like they are so similar in so many respects and they both do so much growing throughout the series it's just very interesting to me that you are seeing the, the same story from an immigrant and, and a non-immigrant, like, side, you know? Yeah. Traditional family, one kid. Uh, the kid is not constantly not living up to the expectation of the parent. Um, you know, they're genuinely good people, but they are definitely flawed and they have their moments. Shit, dude. I don't know. It's... Every, when I stopped to think about it, I was like, wow, Khan really is. He's just, he's the immigrant mirror of Hank. And it's exactly what Hank needs is somebody that has, has done different struggles than him to cause him to grow as a character. Right. And then similarly, like, um, so yeah, they both made, it's Naruto and Gara, Like. Yes. Very similar. Yeah. They're, they're, they're just foils for the other one. Like. Yeah. Like, they're both, like, Hank and Khan are both career-driven, like, they both have one kid, like, but Khan is materialistic versus Hank, who's just like, Hank exists, like, Hank is what happens when you have friends, so you don't drive a career, you'd rather hang around your buddies drinking beer in the alley, and not that that's a bad yeah. thing, it's just, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and when you stop to think about it, Hank does have his friends and his buddies and everything else, and he gets to enjoy life that way, but he's also never going to stick up for himself like Khan would. You know, if, if the roles were reversed and Khan had to work for Strickland, there's no way that he would have been content being an assistant manager for 10 years. And that's what I mean, yeah, because, yeah. like, Hank doesn't value career. Like, Hank has a job. He has a career, but, like, Khan is ambitious. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So I, when I realized it today, it was much more of a mind-blowing moment that because they are so similar and I, I often, I don't confuse the two of them when I'm t- talking about them, but I'm just very frequently reminded of how often they make each other grow all the way down to the point where their names are literally the same for letters. They're just rearranged differently. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't blow my head harder than you thought I would. I feel bad nah. now. Nah, it's okay. It's, not everything can be a, a, a Boomhauer is Rockadillo conspiracy, buddy. I understand that. God, we haven't had a good conspiracy in so long. No, we have not. Uh, let's get to pros, though, because that's what I got for my notes, man. Pros. Um, I love the shittiness of the ice cream kid. What's his name? You, you named him earlier. Oh, the uh, Dave, the Megalomart employee. Yeah. <laughs> I love how shitty he is. I just... <laughs> I hate this B story, but oh my god, he made it for <laughs> oh, me. Just like ooh, gross. when she's whenever when she, whatever he says, she says, and she's off by like double. Oh, so close! And like gives her that shitty little grin, and I love him. Yep. Um, Dale on the base. Goddamn, Dale on the base is great. Yep. Changing into a colonel uniform, into an exterminator, back into a colonel, and then walking up to the MP and going exterminator. And it kind of <laughs> makes you worry about military incompetence, just a touch. Yeah, but we, you and I both have known people in the military. We know that that, honestly, I don't know if it's incompetence. I think it's just laziness. Six to one, you know. <laughs> I um, have that whole moment in my prose as well, by the way. It's such a good little moment. Like, And then I stopped and thought about it. I'm like, because the colonel, or because he, because he would have seen the other guy in uniform... The guy would have, like, registered that. So suddenly Dale's an exterminator again. He needs to be seen again, but as an exterminator... The whole thing is, like, three levels of, okay, you really thought this through. Um, I love Infinite Walrus. I think that's such a cool idea and thing. <laughs> I think it's so goddamn cool that in a couple weeks here, after I finish, like, the other four episodes I'm writing, Two Wizards is going to cover, like, weird military secret programs. Oh, man. Um... Dale is baking again. We already hit that. And I don't know if we've been to this party yet, Johnny, but Bill calls himself a pant load. I have it written in You and I have been calling him a pant load. Yeah. You and I have been calling him that the entire run of this show. Yeah. But he, and then I was like, is that where Johnny got that? Like, that was my like mind blowing moment for me this week. Yeah. I'm no, I'm pretty sure that is, I didn't realize it was this episode. Uh, but it's it's a pretty fitting episode because, damn, do we get to, once again, see Bill be a fucking pant load. Um, to me, this is tantamount to going through six or seven seasons of this same breakdown, watch an episode of, of The Simpsons and, of, and calling something cromulent until it actually shows up in the canon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like... You know, that's kind of where it is for me. I'm glad that we actually have some, some finality to this because I wasn't sure where the name Pantload came from, but it fits too, too good. And the fact that he calls himself that makes me feel like less of a dickhead. <laughs> I was just, I heard him say that. I was like, oh my God, like. Also, um, I think Bill is very justified in his pantloadiness this episode. Poor guy. Like, Dude, he... He essentially gets roasted and then finds out that it's actually people's real feelings. It's not jokes. 
Like at first, it's you get that feeling of like, oh, cool, anybody can tell Bill everything that's wrong with him because it's not his fault. And even once he starts to just like accept that and even play along with it, it's okay, it's not my fault. Then they just keep piling it on and piling it on. And then you go to find out that he's just been doing placebo and you're like, oh, God. Yeah. That's that's the that's the like telegraphed second punch that I didn't see coming. Yeah, I it's great. Um yeah, I I don't know. Sorry, I got all horned up for pant loading this. <laughs> yeah, you're good buddy. Um I don't have too many more that you didn't already mention cuz you mentioned the infiltration sequence uh for Dale and the army base. You mentioned the origin of the name pant load. Um Every single time, every single time I see the the opener for this episode and Khan like can't get into his garage and uh, Hank is just giving him shit for it. Where, where are you going to park it, smart guy? And Khan just like <laughs> stops for half a second and goes, maybe I build garage around my car. Ha 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 ha. Kiss my ass. And then just like every <laughs> single time the... <laughs> I'm not gonna let you. I'm not gonna let you make me feel any worse about this. And then, and then, you know what? Fuck you. Kiss my ass. It's. I lose it every time. It's so good. So good. It's like <laughs> one of my favorite con lines of all time. Um, yeah. I I think they're downplaying how smart Bill actually is. Sometimes, if he is smart enough to know, like. Oh yeah, shiny shit. They're gonna get you on any of that. I'd probably tar my head if I ever had the opportunity to go out in the field. Well, that is incredibly yeah. pathetic. It's pretty damn smart that he knows to do it. Bill could be a good soldier. Like poor guy. He could. He really could. Oh, we'll talk about that in my cons here. Um, Ooh, and then okay. the last one I have in here, Dale uses a word that the only reason I know what it what it stands for like what it's its definition is is because of world of warcraft so that was kind of a weird okay. connection i made this week he says if you need bill's untransmogrified uh report we're gonna need to go and do this and this and this and i know a, <laughs> a transmogrification is it's essentially an illusion over the top of something else okay if that makes sense. So the transmogrifying he's talking about is the fact that it's been redacted. So an untransmogrified version is is t it's taken the base piece and left by itself and ha doesn't have it altered. In World of Warcraft, they the, in the newest like retail version of the game with like 900 freaking expansion packs at this point, you can go through old dungeons and raids and all this other shit and get old items and transmogrify them onto your current gear. So if you liked the way a character's oh. items looked and shit in like, I don't know, the Wrath of the Lich King, so like fuck ten years ago, you can have you can, your character could still look like that, but retain all the bonuses and shit that it has from the newer armor. Okay. Yeah, I just thought it was kind of cool. I've I, I don't know if I've ever seen that word anywhere other than here and in World of Warcraft. It's not a very common word. So, hey, that's your, that's all yours. Word of the day: transmogrify. When you hear the secret word, kids, scream real loud. <laughs> loud? <laughs> That's the secret <laughs> word of the day. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mark, give me some I only hate two of them. Catch... <laughs> I only hate two. <laughs> uh, cons. 
Um, con number one, Bill is inf- he is enlisted as infantry rifle. Again, I do not know enough about how like the army works to get shitty about this, but I do know that for Bill to be a tanked operator, he would have to be in the first armored division, which operates out of Fort Bliss in Texas. So yep. there's a cool bit of continuity in there. I don't know if you like start as infantry like right out or if like because okay again no, I, think I you, guys I think you have I don't to go know. to assignment school. Okay, yeah, so it's like Game of Thrones when you're on the wall, right? And you go through basic, like, ranger training, and then they're like, okay, stewards, builders, rangers, shit like that, yeah. right? But infantry is a specialization, know, yeah. right? I don't know. I know that infantry is, like, the lowest, but I don't... Military listeners who I hope are out there and know that me and Johnny love you guys, um, let me know. Uh, con number two. Hey, Johnny, Putin... Putin. Putin. Remember when Putin was a joke? Remember when Putin was a gag line in a goddamn Fox animated series, and now he's a fucking cartoon character of a, of a villain? Uh, anyway. Yeah. And finally, the second act. The entire second act is just stupid and really deus exy, and I don't like it. It has its moments, and the only reason, like, I don't like it as a whole, I like individual snippets of it. I totally agree. After they get back to Blando, anything after that is dumb. Like, oh, even yeah. with Bill's line of, I somehow got blown out by the explosion. That really hurt. Oh, fuck you. That's the best you can do. That's the best you can... I don't know. You know, I would have been fine with Bill, like... What do you call friendship suicide? When you kill yourself... Sacrifice. Wow, that's the word I was looking for. Friendship <laughs> suicide. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call it when you die for people you care about, John? I don't know. But, like... I would have been finer with that, and then, like, somehow at the last minute, he bailed out that escape hatch before it got hit by artillery, whatever, I don't know, and instead, I got blown out somehow, alright, great. Um, also, Dale should know what placebo is, I'm sorry, Dale knows about every goddamn, like, pharmaceutical drug known to man, yep. it's the Dalepedia of shit, even if he doesn't know, he would have approximate knowledge, and he would know better, um, and then, like, to that end... Every single moment outside of shitty Megalo employee Dave with the B plot. I, I hate all of it. Um, it's dumb. I right? guess there's it's a good yeah, I guess it's kinda of funny in the bedroom, like her like weighing the toenail clippings in the magazine. But then also further con, con sub one of clip your goddamn toenails in the toilet, Hank. You're gross, dude. What the hell? I just, I don't know. I, I hate the it B seems... plot. We don't need the B plot. And I really think instead of having that B plot you could have had a little bit more, like, just a little bit more of Bill in the tank, and, like, he's suddenly sober. Like, okay, don't drink and drive, kids, and super don't drink and drive the tank. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Dude, give me more of, of, give me more of Khan, like, really enjoying his sweet new cherry ride before it ultimately gets destroyed. Yeah. That's where that Let us out. enjoy it. Here, here. How about you, buddy Khans? Um... So I, I don't claim to know why the military does what it does, what its selection process is. I don't know really how you can go from uh, being somebody that spent three months in a basic training area to all of a sudden, okay, you're going to this school to do this, to do this, to do this. I, I don't know how any of that works, but there has got to be like the most colossal ball being dropped when you look at somebody like the bulldozer, they show him in 
the flashbacks. The dude is doing chin-ups on a freaking tank, like, tube. Barrel. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, d- tube. You know, the no, it's a barrel. tube. <laughs> shooty barrel. <laughs> the the shoot tube. <laughs> yes, he's doing chin-ups on a fucking shoot tube on a tank. Like, how do you drop the ball with that? How do you let somebody with that much potential go and be an army barber? Because, yes, Bill is unstable, but that has never stopped. He's clearly not unstable enough for them to, uh, it's like, I think it's a 4F or something like that, where they basically say that you're not mentally stable enough to be in the army. Yeah. He's not to that point, and he definitely, like, he doesn't hit that point in pant loadiness and just, like, horrible, awful depression, Bill, until after Lenore... So what? Why? Mm-hmm. Why would you take somebody that has got so much potential and just relegate him to cutting hair? Once again, I, I I am backing your play of I don't know how the army works, but I'm sure this like story happens all the time where you have somebody who's a truly gifted like uh, enlisted recruit recruit right? I don't I'm not yeah. guys I'm not military I don't know truly gifted and just their talents are squandered. They do a four year hitch and that's it. Like, yeah. but also Bill didn't graduate high school. Yeah. So, like, I think that already disqualifies him for officer training. Well, yeah, I mean, you t- technically... You and you know what? Had he gone... Okay, so, like, had he gone to Vietnam, more than likely he would have been field promoted. He would have been in a position where his commanding officer would have been killed and he would have been field promoted. Right. And he could have backdoored it that way, but instead he didn't because, like, peace were declared, so... Yeah. I guess but the I point like, is is that our hero in this episode could have been Dick Nixon and he could have kept the war going and Bill wouldn't have been a pantlet. I don't I don't know. I just don't understand. This is one of the biggest mysteries of King of the Hill that I have never figured out is how Bill went from being the bulldozer to where he is right now. And it can't all be placed on Lenore. It can't. Because yes, the dude is he has got some serious issues. He's got some serious problems with depression. And he's got some mm-hmm. serious problems with commitment. Like, she did a number on him, but he wasn't always like that. So something has to have happened to him, and we've never been given a reason why. It's always just kind of been left to the wind. Oh, have fun imagining why. But Or, yeah, or you know yeah. what? Like, there for the grace of God goes Bill. And I've always talked about, like, you know, Bill had the ultimate potential to be a serial killer. And, hey, maybe if Bill would have been, like, trained as, like, you know, maybe Bill would have been the next Charles Whitman, you know? Yeah. Because one day he would have just snapped and gone to the top of the Arlen Water Tower and started, like, there's Lenore, there's Lenore, there's Lenore. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There's I know Lenore. I'm doing a skinner there, but <laughs> that's better. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> then the teeth fell out. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so sorry. Second, second con. Um, <laughs> you can tell. Much. You can tell when you and I don't record because we get to missing each other and we just like kick into dumb, say stupid shit. Oh <laughs> yeah. my god, that's my new response to everything. By the way, then my teeth fell out. Um, okay, uh, I don't feel like we see we see Bill or really anyone in the King of the Hill universe drinking hard alcohol very often. So this, it's unnerving to see him just, like, taking down a bottle of Jack Daniels. Uh, we, we've seen Hank and Peggy just, like, is it, they Tequila. did shots 
Shots of tequila. We've seen that already, right? Yeah, it was um, um, Old as the Hills. Old as the Hills, thank you. Um, so we've seen this them just like... This is my urethra. Yeah, and in a couple yeah. episodes, we'll, we'll see, you know, Khan making martinis with Ted Wasana song. It, hard alcohol is not really a thing in this show. And so it seems even more egregious that they've got Bill just like ripping just pulls off of a Jack Daniels bottle while driving a fucking tank. Yeah. So to me, it's a con. It doesn't seem like it fits very well with this. You think that's like politics of 2002? You can't really show people doing shots? Possibly. How many shots? How many times do you see Homer do shots? Like how many times do you see like Peter Griffin doing shots? They drink. They drink all the goddamn time. Like they are alcoholics like just horsing beer i don't know i'm not trying to put yeah. a pin in it but well no and it's it's i think it might be a difference because this is an animated show and a lot of people in their minds think animated that's for kids even though and, and that's what i mean like you can show, show them drinking beer but yeah um because I, shit dude I'm, i don't watch a lot of 90s sitcoms but i know everybody used to go out and get drunk shit there was an entire one that's based in a fucking bar like, one of the most famous yeah. 90s sitcoms of all goddamn times is set in a fucking bar. So, yeah. Coyote Ugly. I don't... I was trying to think of a better fucking one, and I could not think of a better bar-based <laughs> comedy say, from the 90s. I'm, I let you down. Just say cheers. <laughs> just say yeah, cheers, I know. Buddy. I was trying to be a smartass, though, Johnny. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. It's, it's very strange to me, but maybe it's also to delineate the difference between... Um, the guys will sit and drink and have a beer every single episode and that's not a big mm-hmm. deal. So you need to up the ante in order for you to understand just how drunk Bill is. Well, that too. Like, um, what? Not in my backhoe. What do we count? 34 cans of beer or something between him and Dale? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. I also imagine that Bill probably just goes home and drinks himself to sleep every single night. He has the... The Alamo sweepstakes philosophy of please drink another beer. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I have one more con here. Okay. Phys- physics wise, if I know, and, and geography wise, if I know Rainy Street as well as I think I do, mm-hmm. after, after Dale hits his quote unquote speed bump and totally trashes Khan's cherry new ride, he just continues going straight. Isn't he just driving mm-hmm. through Khan's fucking house at that point? I, yeah, I think so. Okay. Just want to make sure that's an animation flub and that's a, guys, you should really fucking know better because he definitely just keeps going straight. There is no other, like, like he just came off the street. Where the fuck else is he going to go? He's got to tank it to the streets. Good Lord. Um, do you, do you have any, uh, uh, retro rage, Mark? Uh, I have one. Give it to me. AOL buddy list. (laughs) That's mine too. (laughs) Woo. So back in the day, guys, you used to have to pay for your internet by the minute and well, by the hour, really, you could pay for so many hours and you'd get so many free if you had a floppy disk or a CD drive or something with, with this thing called AOL or America Online. And you could do this really cool thing that was basically instant messaging like, you know, you do on Facebook and Twitter and all this other shit. Texting. Like it was day. texting before texting was texting. Like Exactly. And, but you could do it with a, a, a buddy list, a list of other people you knew on AOL that also had AOL accounts. 
and you could use cool emojis and you could use like all sorts of cool slang and, and all that stuff. And guys, it's it's a very archaic way of basically saying everything that, that was cool about the buddy list is something that stopped being cool on your cell phone about 10 fucking years ago. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, let's get to favorite moments then, man, if that's all we got for Retro Rage. Lay it on me, buddy. Uh, three. I've got three here. Okay. Okay. You named two of the three already, not surprisingly. You and I have uh, the same mind sometimes. Uh, Operation Infinite Walrus. That is like the best name ever for the most ridiculous government plot. Yeah. Uh, the reference to Vladimir Putin and then Dale following it up with, Huh, Hank? Putin? Just saying his name a second time. <laughs> Always gets a chuckle out of me. And then I really I really like Bill's like Arlie Ermy drill sergeant impression at the end. That's where this episode's oh, yeah. like that's the that's to me is like everything after that, I don't really give a shit about the episode. But the fact that he hops out and somehow in a drunken stupor manages to to like foil two cops like confuse them to the point where yeah this is why i'm naked and this is why i need your phone number and you need to get back in your freaking black and white and get going now yeah oh it's it's good and he we get such a good impression out of out god what's why am i forgetting his name who Who voices bill oh um steven root Thank you, Stephen Root. Sorry, guys. It's it's been a, a week already. My I was gonna say Debatrove, and I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> not Debatrove, damn it. Um, yeah, it's we just we get such a good performance out of him. It's very believable. Uh, I, I think yeah, right. absolutely. Um, you already you literally just beat it to death. Um, <laughs> um but. We've been beating it to death all episode long. My ride, it's so cherry. Yes. Um, and then the guys roasting Bill in the park. <laughs> yeah. And my breath smells bad. <laughs> well, yeah, doesn't smell good. <laughs> Followed up by him cutting the guy's hair. Um, on a positive note, your breath was unusually minty and inoffensive today. <laughs> and I like that a lot. Hey, he's now brushing every day, Mark. <laughs> Which, ugh. Uh, you want to tell the good people about our rating system an hour into this episode, Johnny? Uh, Jesus, yeah, I do. God, it's... <laughs> guys, it's been a minute. I didn't think we had this much to talk about. Our rating system is as followed. Uh, our first rating is our charcoal rank. This is an F-tier garbage tier of an episode. Basically, if it's a charcoal episode, it's worth maybe watching one time and never again, but probably not even that. You're going to get bored with it. And you're probably going to turn it off. Charcoal episodes are the worst of the worst. Just above that, we have our Megalo rating. This is our bronze tier of an episode. Usually it's got a couple of good recurring gags, maybe one or two good characters, a good guest star maybe. For the most part, you're not going to watch this one again either. It's probably going to be on in the background if you don't change the channel at all. After that, you've got your butane rating. This is our silver rank. These are kind of our middle-of-the-road episodes. A butane episode is a bastard because you love to hate it and you hate to love it. It's got some good stuff, but it's also got some problematic stuff. Overall, it's, like I said, middle-of-the-road. It's an episode that's just one more episode of TV. 
Uh, after that, you've got your Char King episodes. These are the gold standard of King of the Hill. A Char King episode is everything that you love about King of the Hill, wrapped up into one nice little 20-minute package. You get great character work. You have wonderful guest stars. Usually you've got some really good recurring bits or something to that effect. Uh, if Mark and I both give an episode a Char King, then it becomes a Char King Imperial. This signifies that it is just about the best episode of King of the Hill that you can get without con or with context. Now, the best episodes you can get with context is the only step higher we have, the Blue Flame of Valor. These are our S-tier, platinum-ranked, best episodes of not just King of the Hill, but of television in general. These are the episodes that you can show absolutely anybody to say, hey, I really like this show and I think you would too. And without any sort of previous context, they're going to fall in love with it just like you did. A good mm -hmm. a couple notable examples for this are A Firefight and We Will Go and A Beer Can Named Desire. Those are Mark and I's personal favorites. So, uh, you know, Blue Flame, you just don't get much better than that. Mark, with that yep. being said, on a scale of charcoal to Blue Flame of Valor, what do you give tanking it to the streets? I gave tanking it to the streets a chartane. It's about halfway bet between a butane and a char king. Okay. Um, the first half is really, really great. We get a lot of great Bill. We get a lot of great Dale. We get probably one of the best, funnest conspiracy theories we, theories we have ever had. And then there's the B plot. And then there's the second half. And there's just all the dumb little bits. And I just, uh, I don't hate it. And it's not a butane. It's not butane. It's not butaneable, I guess, if you will. Okay. But it's also not char kingly. So yeah, it's a chartane. How about you, buddy? Uh, so originally, I gave it a char king, but on okay. a revisit of this, I'm gonna actually give it a butane. I think it needs to get knocked down an entire peg for me. Um, God damn. We make. I, I honestly, it's our conversation here is reminded me that the B plot is it services no one. And it is only funny, if ever, for the f half of one time of this of one viewing. It's not even funny for the entirety of a full viewing of this episode. Like, it stops being funny. So that's a huge mm -hmm. detractor. You're filling up time that I could be using on other stuff. Um, every time Khan is on this episode, it's absolutely brilliant. Every time Dale is in on this episode, it's absolutely brilliant. But really, it's just kind of like a meh, Bill-focused episode for me. Uh, I, I think I actually described it as a pant load of an episode. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, I think it's honestly, I, I wanted to like more of it. It was was fine on my viewing, but I think after some discussion, I needed to knock it down a bit. Uh, we've got better examples of charking out there. This is not that for me. Yeah, which bums me out. I was really excited to watch this one, and then I watched it, and I was like, oh, man. That's okay. They can't all be winners, but at least it's not a charcoal, man. There you go. At least it's <laughs> well, not with, a box of cupcakes. It's Yes. With that, let's move on to episode 118 of Mice and Little Green Men. This is, of course, a play on of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck, an incredibly overrated piece of American histriana. Uh, Mark, have you ever read of, of Mice and Men? Let me answer your question with another question. Number one, will you marry me? Because I was so afraid you were going to start talking about how much you love this goddamn book. Um, no, yeah, I had, to, I had to teach this goddamn book, and I hated this book so much that, like, um, it was supposed to be, like, six weeks on it. And I was like, all right, we're doing this in three, and then we're going to do Old Man of the Sea, and I'm going to show you why Old Man of the Sea and Hemingway is far and away a superior writer to John piece of shit Steinbeck and his mice and men bullshit. And, like, I was student teaching, so 
the high school's like, yeah, do whatever you want. This is the one time in your career when you can kind of do whatever. So, yeah, go have fun. Right. And, yeah. And by the end of it, like, I had 30 juniors who were like, that book fucking sucked. I'm like, you're goddamn right it did, kids. <laughs> uh, you know, guys, th- there's a lot of quote-unquote great American novels out there, and a lot of people throw this up there as one of the best things that was written in in between the years of 1900 and 2000. And it may have been, but I don't care for it, and I've never really cared for it. And if you even want to read about the Great Depression, this isn't even the best book to read. It's not even a good Depression book. It's just a dumb book. It's, you know what? You know what it gave us? It gave us a kind of passably funny Key and Peele sketch. That's about it. (laughs) Jeez. Well, let's get into the sp- the, the specifics, the dirty here. Uh, it is a charcoal it- of a book. <laughs> it's a sh- you heard it you heard it here first, folks. Some hot takes being spit by one Mark Buffalo Jones. Uh, <laughs> original air date for this episode, April seventh, two thousand and two. This is written by Sievert Glarum and Michael Jamin. Jamin, he be jamin. We jamin. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> cast the characters. Same thing. <laughs> yes, we did. Cast of characters for this episode, Hank, Peggy, Bobby Hill, Bill Dotrieve, Boomhauer, Dale, Joseph, and Nancy Gribble in a non-speaking role for one John Redcorn. I believe he's only seen in Alien Flashbacks. Mark, are you ready for my synopsis? Hell yeah, buddy. Hank and Dale experience the growing pains of their teenage sons when the question of Joseph's parentage comes up. This, This is a very interesting episode that i didn't think we would ever need or see looking back on it we did not need this episode we did not to keep need to keep exploring joseph's parentage mm-hmm. like i thought I, we, had we squashed that it into we had the squashed ground. it with nancy boys we had squashed it with yes. whatever the fuck that like the the one back in season one with let sleeping i can't think of the name of it but like yeah yeah, it does not need uh, when, to be... When Peggy finds out about him, like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It does not need to be a focal point of an episode. It can be a footnote for an episode. It could be something that somebody calls out. We're going to see in just a few episodes here, guys, um, when we meet Dale's dad, that it is still very much a, oh, that's not his kid. And that it's like a 30-second conversation, if that. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's done. It doesn't need to be a huge thing. Surprisingly, I liked this episode, and I didn't think it needed to ever happen. But I okay. think it's p- part of the the reason I liked this episode was because it is so weird and bizarre and out there. It's a perfect Dale vehicle. Okay. Yeah. So A-story characters, Hank, Dale, Joseph, and Bobby. Um, Mark, you want to get into some notes? Y- let's do that, buddy. Go for it. You talk. I, <laughs> awesome. I'm afraid to get too horny right now. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, so, just from a personal note here, um, I I've, I know somebody who actually lived in Marfa for a while. Really? Yes. A former co-worker of mine. Um, I, I worked with her for about three, maybe four months, I want to say. I think that's as long. Uh, she's still working at my old job, as far as I know. Um she actually stayed in Marfa for quite some time. I want to say a year or two. And the way she described it to me is that it is one gigantic, awesome hippie commune. It's an incredibly small town and like people there, it's, it's a weird art community and all, all sorts of stuff. Essentially, it sounds to me an awful lot like the Crestone of Texas. 
without all okay. the, like without all the weird cults and shit. Okay. And I am so into that. So I wrote down here in my notes, Marfa sounds like the only place in Texas that I would ever actually enjoy visiting. <laughs> you know? Like to me it's the way she had described it to me is it's almost like the Santa Fe of Texas. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I'm into that. I'm definitely into that. So I have a little bit of a personal connection. Marfa is so small. It, I think it's like less than 10,000 people. So the fact that I've ever, that I've met somebody at all that's ever lived there, let alone been there, trust me. Hmm. Uh, her, her eyes got very, very wide when she mentioned Marfa. And I said, oh, did you ever go see the Marfa lights? And she went, how do you know about that? <laughs> did she? Said, because she? Uh, yes, she, well, she at least, at least had gone out to try and see them. Um, I, I don't know if she ever actually did, but it was just one of those, like, eyes got as big as the freaking moon. How do you know about the one weird ass thing in that town? Oh, because it's the one hmm. weird ass thing in that town. And I'm a, a weird ass that likes watching old cartoons. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Um, Mark, you want to give me the name of the awful fucking 80s music coming out of John Redcorn's car in the in the end in the flashback I didn't even pick it up It's Round and Round by Van Halen No that's Rat <sighs> Is mm, I could swear it's Van Round Halen. and Round what comes around goes around It's Rat nope. I guarantee it's Rat I'm yeah. looking at it. I'm looking at it It's up. Rat I used to work with a dude who loved Rat I'd have to listen to that shit breaking load in the cooler all the time I hate Rat it's not a good it song It is Rat Okay, I, it is rat, so I will gracefully bow out and just say it's still a terrible fucking song. It actually makes me here, feel better. It's That's not what Van we Halen. can agree on, is it's a shitty song, and we both fucking hate it. I didn't want Van Halen ruined for me, so there you go. See, don't you feel better now? I do. Um, I made a note it's on, that Now that's it's... what I call strip clubs, volume six. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um... So they all run into each other in, about midway through the episode at a restaurant, and they're drinking out of something called a King Kong. Does that sound familiar at all, Mark? Because I don't think it's a restaurant we've seen before. I don't think so. Because it's, it's not the Lulies. It's not Sugarfoots. It's the um, ice cream parlor, right? It must be. But the, yeah, they're drinking out of something called a King Kong. And I'm like, that seems to me like it's got to be a reference to something Texas because everything's bigger in Texas and King Kong's the biggest granddaddy of them all. Okay. You play it. You paid a lot closer attention to this episode than I did. I was on oh, my phone a lot for this one. I have got a really cool pro that I I'm I'm really excited to tell you about because it's right it's on. one of those like if you are a diehard fan of this show you're gonna be like no shit that is perfect like it's it's that is the tiny little detail that somebody cared enough. So, and we'll get to it when I get to pros. Um, okay. How do you feel about the intentional mislead here for Joseph's parentage? Like, like I said, this is not where... an episode that we, we, we've never needed an episode where Dale questions the parentage before. How do you feel about that? And how do you feel about the fact that, like, he keeps going and going. We get that whole scene with him and Hank where he's talking about how I know that I'm not Joseph's dad. I know that right. I wasn't there nine months prior. And you Nancy get that, loves like, you. Exactly. How do you feel about that? Because I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't think it's something that's really like it's a nice little curveball to to say it's an alien thing and to set up the rest of the episode. But I don't know. It yeah. feels scummy to me. Yeah, it 
my bigger problem with it, like all in all, is this episode is literally Hank just forgot everything that happened in Branson. Yeah. Or he's not we supposed ju- to be a shithead. Literally, to his kid. what bluegrass was always greener was what three weeks ago, I think, for you and I in real time or whatever. Like, uh-huh. uh huh. And it's just this is the same thing. We're just rehashing it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it, I agree with you. The whole thing is kind of scummy, and I don't know. Yeah. If you would have if you would have done this one like a week after, I don't want to wait. It would have been great. Right. But here we are. Like two seasons later, and now we're here, and it's like, okay, well, great. Yeah. Uh, the last note I have here, Mark, we're going to do a little call and response, okay? Because we're both okay, power okay. nerds. Carbonite is from what? Star Wars. And Spice is from what? Dune. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, for some I reason, all... <laughs> they mix all of the different science fiction, uh, like, fiction books that are really popular and properties and shit all into one when Joseph <laughs> says he's just afraid he's going to get frozen in carbonite and traded for spice. I don't well, know. Okay, no, actually, I got to be that guy. Okay. Spice is a drug in Star Wars. You can modify spice to either be um um what do you call it when it's good for you? Okay. Um heroin is a drug versus morphine is not. It's that. It, um Medicine. Not medicine. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know what the word you're looking you can, for. Okay, okay, okay. So, three, so, so, so three P, C-3PO says, we'll be sent to the spice mines of Kessel, right? Okay. Kessel is an entire planet composed of drugs. The Kessel Ron is less than 12 parsecs because Han Solo was smuggling drugs for Jabba the Hutt and the Empire showed up and so Han Solo had to, like, ditch the stash of drugs. Like... Spice okay. exists in Star Wars, but I agree with you a thousand percent and that Joseph would not know that Spice exists in Star Wars. He is using Frank Herbert's Dune Spice. So, it's sorry. Way I had, more popular. I had yeah. to get that out. If I got if we're going to like bone up for nerdiness, I got to do some serious boning. Sure. Well, and technically, uh Frank Herbert's Dune was written and published what 10 to 15 years before the first Star Wars film? Uh yeah, I think so. Because so, New Hope was 77, so... Yeah, and, and shit, dude, I think the copyright for the first uh, first book of Dune is like the mid-60s, mid to early 60s. A weird old hardcover back in Colorado, I, le- I kept it because I was like, this is kind of cool. It's like a third or fourth edition. It's got like a wonky-ass um, uh, cover art. And I went, I don't have a copy of this book, and I've heard it's a classic, so why not? 1965, so what is that, 12 years? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so we'll, we'll go off of, uh, yeah, seniority here. Spice should be the older older property gets to claim it, so it would be Dune. Or Dune exists in the Star Wars universe, which would be kind of neat, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I need to go back and watch that movie then, because I want to I wanna morph them together. Oh, I can only get so hard. Anyway, keep going, Johnny. <laughs> no, that's, that's what I got for notes, man. You got to give me some of yours, because I'm really excited right. to get to my pros. Uh, notes. Here we go. Uh, you already hit this one. We haven't seen Redcorn in a hot minute, mm-hmm. but I think it's kind of a shitty thing when it's like, it's that beginning, it's that opening sequence, and Dale goes, "He didn't get it from me or something dumb." I don't know. And Redcorn drives by. Why? Why is he driving by? Don't care. Next. Um. Thank God I don't have kids, 
because no part of this episode would ever have to apply to me. And I'm so yeah. grateful that, number one, I never had to sit through a fucking sporting event and, 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 or a library production of a John Steinbeck novel. <laughs> yeah. Question, why would South Arlen High gender-blind cast Danny Zuko? I don't care. Just the I thought. don't know. I would also watch the shit out of that. I hate Grease. I hate Grease with all that I am. I would rather watch, like... I would just rather watch uh, um, Pregnant Paws on a loop for two and a half hours than I would watch <laughs> Grease ever again. When Okay, once again, I gotta pull this card. When I was student teaching, um, I start... So I... St- was an observation hours for the first semester. And then I actually taught the second semester and the whole observation hour. Um, Josh, who was my mentor teacher. Yeah, guys. Hey, check it out. I totally faked it through my student teaching. Um, he was producing, he was directing Greece for the high school. Okay. I had to sit there and watch Greece rehearsals from, uh, uh, September to December. Okay. And like, I'm not a suicidal person. But man, if I had a nickel for every time I was gonna fucking jump off the goddamn gym, oh my god, I I hate Greece. I hate Greece with everything I am. Oh, it's all bad. Um, Bill gets hurt. It's great, man. I know I was bitching last week about how Bill's <laughs> not just a punchline, but him getting wailed by the uh, lacrosse ball and then yeah. getting hit again while he's eating dinner safely in a domicile. Yeah. God. That's the right way to do it. This is Falcon funny. This is that. This is, I wish I had a son to kick me in the testicles and Dale just like nailing him in the pills. Yeah. This is the right way to do it. And they did it right. And it's so goddamn funny. Um, I got to do another callback to another two wizards episode. Guys, go listen to mysterious lights. Part one, Josh and I cover the Marfa lights in depth. Nice. Okay. I watched about 12 and a half hours of YouTube footage of Marfalite, and I am convinced. And finally, um, I don't know if we saw this in... Oh, what's the... Uh, now who's the dummy? Did they out-and-out out name Garrity and Sons Nursing Home? Because if not, now we have Garrity and Sons Nursing Home being named for the first time and or a callback to that episode. I think it's a callback. Because now who's the dummy, right? Yeah. It's got to be, yes. Um, I I will go back and rewatch and let you know for sure. I'm almost positive, though. Yeah. Right on. You want to get your pros because I know you're all excited about it? Yes. um, You you hit on two of them already in your notes, which is good because I can just blast through both of those and get to the one that actually matters. Um, So Bill getting wrecked again seems like a theme this season. Like him just totally getting owned by Joseph or anything Dale related is just a theme for this season. And I'm here for it. That is, it's funny to me. If you're going to pant load him, then that's how I want to see it. I want him being a giant slapstick piece. Yes. Um, I want to see Bobby spearing him in the Longhorn costume. I want to see Joseph and Bobby roping him off his lawnmower. But yes. I don't want to see him bricking on his lawnmower first thing out of the gate at the starting line of the mower races. That's not funny. No. That you may just it's funny when It's funny when someone else does something to him. Or it's with, not exactly. within his control. And that's the point. Yeah. Because, like, Bill is just like, yeah, he's just the fucking calm eye. Like, everybody just hates him all the time. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I already wrote this down as a pro, but I think I think the idea of... 
of Peggy in Greece is hilarious to begin with. And then I want to see her as Danny Zuko, who is supposed to be very womanizing the entire time, because that's not Peggy. <laughs> so that's why okay. I want to see it. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mark, did you do any pausing in this episode? Did you stop it? Did you pause it? Did you have to look around at anything? Did you notice anything out of the ordinary in this episode? I barely paid attention to this episode. Okay. Well, then you missed something really cool during the, the retro callback. Okay. So Dale is talking about how he was five hours away in Marfa nine months before Joseph was born. We see the cool yes. little flashback of Red Corn and Nancy sitting on the couch. We know that that's Dale's perception of things, yada, yada, yada. And then it flashes forward and shows him in Marfa, and he's surrounded by a bunch of crazy people, and he's looking at the Marfa lights and all that sort of stuff. So my question to you, did you look at the Bugabago? No. There are two very different uh, diff- not very different, but there are two specifically different things on the Bugabago that are there. And I'm now deeming it the 80s Bugabago versus the now current prime Bugabago. Oh boy, okay. The biggest one, well, the, the biggest easily most noticeable thing is right away you can see that the text is different. It is done in like an 80s style, like Miami Vice text. It says Dale's dead bug. <laughs> okay, very cool. Like it's it's a different like the the vehicle in itself is not white it's a different I want to say like a violet color and then like the writing is a like neon pink or some shit it's very fucking eighties right okay now this is this is the point where I'm gonna tell you that I love whoever animated this and or whoever made sure that this was an animation note to be written in because this to me is whoever wrote this knows this show and knows how much the rest of us love it as well especially Dale and his love of his vehicle. And his mm-hmm. job. Because on the top is a queen, but not a queen ant. Okay. There is a different dead bug upside down on the top of the Bugabago. It is a queen bee. Oh, shit. Very cool. Okay. It is very awesome. So I, I just, I had to stop and pause and look at that today. And I freaked out a little bit. I was like, holy shit. He still gets to say that there's a queen up top there. But it has evolved <laughs> from the 80s. It's no longer a bee. It's now the queen ant. It, dude, it, mis- it made me stupid happy to see that, that like, so much of Dale has been consistent. It has just updated mm-hmm. slightly. That's cool. That's very cool. So next time you're watching through it or just try and find a still of it, if I can find one, I'll send it to you. But it's, Hell, it's I'll something... boot up Hulu after we get off and I'll check it out. <laughs> it's it, it's worth it just for like the half a second of joy it's going to give you to see another queen ant or queen something on top of the Becca Baco. Okay. Um, those are my pros, man. Give me yours. Um, pro, Marfa lights are a real thing. I like that. I think it's funny. When we covered this, um, Josh goes, why does that name stick out to me? I was like, because you saw it in King of the Hill. And he goes, oh, holy shit. Yeah, I did. So, like, <laughs> I like the layering of my universes right now. It's pretty neat. Yes. Um, Nancy, or, okay, so Dale's description of Nancy's abduction scenario is, like, somebody went and fucking read some Whitley Stryber because it is super accurate, and I really appreciate that. Don't know what that said. Nancy's, oh, um... Um, okay. Uh, I really like it when Joseph walks in and Nancy's doing laundry 
And she goes, and he goes, is dad my dad? And she starts, mm-hmm. like, panic folding. That's a really good animation bit. Yeah. I really like that. Um, Pro, Bobby gasses out after about 35 feet of running. This is the way that Bobby ought to be. Not, I'm going to yes. run cross country in a goddamn mascot uniform. So they hit that right. Um, and then finally, I like Joseph and Dale kind of like co-conspiracy, co-conspiracy theorizing in the Bug of Bago on the drive home. When Joseph it's- is like, couldn't the aliens have taken your genetic material and put it in mom? And then Dale's like, recovering, recovering, recovered. I like that. It's, again, yes. it's what we talked about all that time ago, how uh, Joseph might be John Redcorn's son, but he's Dale's boy. Like... Absolutely. And that scene gets that much better because, once again, we just saw this when we went to Branson, but, like, Hank and Bobby have that same moment, too, of, oh, yeah, you were dealing with your own idiot man-child. I get it. I completely understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's... No, I, I love that moment, too. It's it's very sweet. Dale is... Like, whenever it comes to, to doing anything with Dale and Joseph, it always starts out like he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And that him and Joseph are such weird and foreign concepts to each other. And yet it always ends up with him going, oh, that's right. This is my kid, and I fucking love my kid. Yeah. I love that that's a baseline. I, yeah, but he's Dale is a really good dad. And I do think it's kind of funny, like... I don't know. I guess the juxtaposition of like Hank is athletic, haha. Joseph is athletic, but then I like that Dale goes to see uh, dinner theater with his Gun Club buddies every Wednesday night. That's kind of funny. That's it also seems I like on that point little bit. Yeah, it should. Yeah, hundred percent. I also like how like what do you call that? Like not I don't know what you call it. Like broad the Gun Club is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're a gun club in Texas. No, we're going to go to the dinner theater, you know? And then I get yeah. to thinking about it. It's like, well, they do have two gay guys in the gun club, so maybe, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know. They're accepting, and I appreciate it, I guess is my point. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Are we on to cons? Uh, No, that... Uh, yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. I was like, we already did cons, didn't we? No, we didn't. Um... Let's see. I've got two here. Okay. Uh, one of them's like a weird animation thing, and I've never seen anyone do it in real life, so I don't know why they would have animated it being done. When Peggy wraps her to-go plate or her leftovers plate, she flips it over to test the strength. Why the fuck would you ever do that? It's a Peggy thing. It's gotta be, and I don't know why she does it. Like, have you ever seen anybody do that? I understand, like, okay, if if I've got, like, a big bowl of, mm, let's say, potato salad or coleslaw or something, and I get Mm -hmm. that, like, cellophane over the top, I'm not going to flip it over, but I will stretch that motherfucker tot so where I can't see any, like, wrinkles or lines or anything and give it a nice little flack so I can hear, uh, like, a little drum beat in it. Hey, you play a note on it, yeah. Yes, but I've never flipped it over. Like, to me, it just seems unnecessary because you're you're just putting shit on your your top now. Yeah. So that's weird as shit to me. And then I really think it's low-hanging fruit for Hank to specifically call out, oh, yeah, I made uh, made this goal out of Bobby's, like, stuffed animal hamper and his guardrails on his 
bed. Like, okay, he's he is not like five fucking years old. You don't need to bury his ass like that. That's not cool, especially to his best friend. Yeah. So I felt that as a con because it seemed overly cruel. Uh, what do you got for cons, buddy? Uh, it's really funny. You read my mind. Number one. Um, so we had blue grasses always greener. I had to look at this. Uh, we had blue grasses always greener. It would have been five weeks ago from the last time that we or that they would have seen it. Like we watching this in 2002 would have seen it. Okay. So maybe I can forgive the idea that Hank forgot how to be a good parent because, like, you know, time is a flat circle. Whatever. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, next, Johnny. Bobby doesn't have a guardrail on his fucking bed. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, he never has. <laughs> you read my goddamn mind. No, he doesn't. And we've seen him not have it. Like, yeah, I don't know. Um, finally, Final Con of Mice and Men. It's a shit book. Kids, don't read it. If if you're in high school and your teacher says, "All right, this week we're we're going to start our new unit on Giant Steinbeck's of Mice and Men," you say, "Teacher, could you help me out and fuck off?" Because the Dangle Podcast said that this sh- this book is trash, and it is. And you show them this episode, and then teachers, yeah. you email me, and I will tell you why it is trash, and you ought to be teaching Old Man of the Sea instead of John Steinbeck because Hemingway yeah. is a superior writer. And hey, spoilers, at least Old Man of the Sea is not so goddamn misogynistic as of Mice and Men is because all that stupid bitch does is have red hair and get her goddamn head broke. All right, anyway, Johnny, uh, do you have any retro <laughs> reference rage? I don't, but I do want to say, if you just if you need a Great Depression book to read, go read the fucking Grapes of Wrath. Sure. Like, go pick yeah, that go one. Uh, Another Steinbeck, but it's slightly better and okayer. Like, it's, it's, it's a harder book to read. You feel like you're going to challenge yourself. People read Of Mice and Men because it's an easy fucking book. That's why it's a it's quote taught unquote in high classic. school. Like, yeah. It's an easy book. It's like, um, um, what's that other shitty one about the fucking 1920s? Gatsby. Great Gatsby. Gatsby's not a good book. It's, no. but it's easy to read, so people read it. Guys, just go read Hemingway. Go read um Challenge oh God, a fair, shit. Just go read uh, just go read A Farewell to Arms. Probably the best book he's ever did. My personal favorite book ever written, Farewell to Arms. Um you will cry. All you will do is cry. Do like I did, get done student teaching, go home, make a gin and tonic, smoke a pipe, and read A Farewell to Arms and just cry because it's so goddamn nut kick in the soul. Sad. Yeah. Ugh. Um I do just have don't one read the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Go for it. Do that. And then get mad because the elves are never said that they're black. Yeah. Sorry, that's the second week in a row I've done that. I, I gotta stop. Give me I your just think it's hilarious. Rage, it's so funny. It's so funny to me. It's like, God, you guys are such children. Um the 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 gift of the TV that Dale brings to Joseph. That thing is a like, oh, goddamn oh, It's a relic. Yeah. I didn't write it down, but my wife it's called it out when we were watching box. it. Like, it's a cube of a television, and like... And it's got a VCR in the bottom of it. It's built it's in. Got, it's the combo set, yeah, like... Oh, and you know that, like, it weighs a billion pounds? Because how many of those did you and I move in college? Like... You've got too many. Oh, God. Dude, I still yeah. have one, I'm pretty sure, in my storage unit in, in uh, Montrose. I got one in the Harry Potter room, like... I, next time I get, like, three stout men here, I need to get it out of my house, but it weighs, like, 200 pounds, and it's, like, 40 inches across. <laughs> ah, shit, you and I can deadlift it. Just chuck it up <sighs> and over your, over your railing. 
if that was the case, okay, but I don't think my deck, the superstructure of my deck can hold <laughs> God, that's right. me plus, that'd be like 600 pound, like, <laughs> and God help Oof. anybody in like a 20 foot blast radius, like, <laughs> uh, favorite moments? I have one, and it's not even a favorite moment, but I felt like I needed to write something down here. I, I do find it pretty impactful that Bobby just looks like, if, can you just act like a dad? Okay. Where he just, like, calls Hank out, you know? Like, please just be a part of my life. Can you at least act like a dad? If you can just fake that for a second. Is that the bit where they're sitting on the bed and he go and he starts crying and he goes, I learned it from Mr. Gribble. I should have learned it from you. And then he cries again. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's so, a good little like, Bobby it's, bit. It's a good moment. It's not like the best moment in here. I felt like I needed something. And I do like how powerful it is because he definitely is within his rights to call Hank out because Hank's being a shithead. Again, but. again, again. Yeah. All right. How about you, buddy? Question mark, question mark, question mark. But addendum to that, I guess I like the Nancy alien impregnation scene. Okay. It, like I said, um, somebody was watching. Remember, I don't know if you remember, but remember how many alien abduction shows there were on Fox in the 90s? Yes. Like, they're kind of capitalizing on X-Files and, like, that whole, like, the room fills with a ball of light. I was levitated off the bed. I felt something inside of me. And then I was impregnated. I liked that bit. It's, it's a good callback. And if you're a goddamn nerd for aliens like I am, then you, uh, then you do appreciate that bit. And and, um, you know what? Tangential to that, they're walking through Marfa, and Dale calls out two names. I didn't write them down because they're not real people. But he goes, "Oh my god, that's so and so," and "Oh my god, that's so and so." He's a total crackpot. Yeah, <laughs> I just like that. Um, the alien community is really divisive. Um, right now, just right now, kids, go look up um, Bob Lazar and 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 or um, oh shit, what's his name? I can't think of it. It's a um, oh, I'll scream it in my sleep tonight, Johnny. It's driving me nuts. It's the new like sweetheart of American aliens, and his new deal is basically he's he worked for the um um. He worked for the Navy, saw a bunch of UAPs, documented a bunch of it, but now his new thing is, if you can see these aliens, it means that you are an ascended person. It's like, oh, this is where you're switching into con man mode. Great, cool, hmm. we're here. I cannot okay. think of his name to save my goddamn life, and it's pissing me off, and I'll cut it in. L. Ron Hubbard? Yeah. No, 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 that's Scientology. <laughs> allegedly, that's L. Ron Hubbard, and allegedly that's Scientology. Oh, sorry, sorry, I heard con man, and I just flashed. <laughs> the Pope? What? Um, yeah. Edgar, no, not Edgar Casey. He was a psychic. Oh, this is going to drive me nuts. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Johnny, you want to rate this bad boy? I definitely do. Uh, so, scale of charcoal to blue flame, I gave of my sin, Little Green Men, I gave it a butane. It's middle okay. of the road. I wanted more from a Dale-centric episode. I told you I wasn't going to have as much fun as I, I want out of a Dale episode ever since we saw... Um, I, th- I want to say Dale the, Extermin- the Exterminator. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't even as good a Dale episode, though, as some that we're going to get in the future. Like, I think I like the the crazy, like, out-of-his-mind, weird Dale episode of John Force getting one of his kidneys better than this. Oh, okay. Like, pers- personally. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's middle of the road. It's definitely worth watching. 
uh, it's an episode I never thought I was going to need because I thought we had very well put a pin in the Dale and Joseph are not biologically father and son. I didn't think we needed to explore that anymore, but I guess if you're going to do it, this is kind of a fun way. How about you, man? Um, number one, the name I could not think of was Luis Elizondo. Number two, um, it's a, uh, so originally I get it's a Megalo, but then I talked to you a little bit and I liked it a little bit better than that. So we got a two for two here where I get cute twice. It's a Megalotane. Um, hey, it's weird. It's the, guys. it's the, not quite pert near, but it's the, it's the flip of the last episode where the first act of this one sucks. And then the second act kind of picks up and gets better. Okay. Um, also, I have one glaring con that we really didn't talk about. Five Marfa, Texas is 500 miles away from Arlen. They say that a couple times. They got right. there on a bus ride in two hours. <laughs> right. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that's the, the, the runtime of Arlen Community Libraries of Mice and Men. Right. Like, whatever. I don't care. I don't even like this episode enough to try and justify why that's dumb. Um, Hank is a bad dad. He's now kicked into full-on sitcom dad mode. I don't care. We didn't learn anything from Bluegrass. And, I, hey, I bet you in three weeks Hank's going to be mad at Bobby again because that boy ain't right. Blur, 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 blur. But, yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> I I got nothing else to say. Fuck this episode. <laughs> that's okay, man. Well, we got to get out of here anyway. But before we do, I got an important question to ask you, Mark. What's that, buddy? Do you still like King of the Hill? Yeah, it's all right. How about you, John? You still like King of the Hill? Hey, I still love King of the Hill, man. Right on. You want to tell those good people where they can find us? I do. So the good people of Internet and Podcast Land can find us on Facebook. No, wow. They can find us on... don't have a Facebook. (laughs) They can find us on Twitter at Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Podcast. If you feel like emailing us, we're dangolepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at KrautBallStream. That's Kraut as in sauerkraut, ball as in Swedish meatball, and stream as in the Capote Springs, just southwest of Marfa, Texas. Mark, where can they find you? Uh, You can find me at MarkyStardust on Twitter, or you can find us on my sister podcast that I pimped mercilessly throughout the run of this episode. I'm sorry, guys. I'll get better about it next week. Uh, It's called the Two Wizards Podcast, and me and my buddy Josh take a variety of topics and discuss them. Johnny's been on there a couple times, and he might be on there again in the future. Who can say? Uh, Oh, we're also on Instagram. And that's about it. Thank you guys for listening. Um, Do you have weird alien conspiracy stories? Do you have abduction scenarios? I want to know. Tell me about it. Are you it. from Marfa, Texas? Can you tell us firsthand what the Marfa lights look like? Please let us know. Hell yeah. I took a poorly timed drink of coffee. Uh, thank you for listening, guys. We love you all, everyone, and we'll talk to you later. We'll see you next week, guys.